fire gentrifiers. Fire, fire gentrifiers. Black people used to live here. That's an original? Um, I stole that from a protest group in Brooklyn. I thought it was so clever. Very, very clever. I love that. Now roll the music. Hey, I'm Lex. Hey, y'all. I'm Sid. And this is the New Chitlin' Circuit. We review indie, low-budget, and direct-to-TV black films. What we watched this week, Sid? I'm very excited for this week's pick. Uh, we're diving into the Amazon Prime streets again. I feel like, you know, we've been neglecting what's on that platform for a little while. So we tuned into The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And I feel like that title it, alone is just so, like, poignant, as they say in the literary word world. I mean, mm-hmm. great. And it's directed yeah. by Joe Talbot, uh, written by Jimmy Fails, and also starring jimmy fails as well so super super cool as jimmy fails as jimmy fails yeah it's a semi-autobiographical that's that's correct right semi-autobiographical that's how you say that um semi-autobiographical autobiography see this why you know this why we friends because you got to balance the scale everybody can't have everything in a friendship you know what i'm saying uh yeah so i thought you just needed a gay friend okay alexis i'm an ally so i'm not gonna let you (laughs) Uh, try and get me caught up out here in these streets because that's what we're not going to do. I'm joking. Sydney is open to have more than one gay friend, guys. Send your applications if you're nice. If you're nice. I like nice people. And if you're black, <laughs> that's also a requirement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I took you off track. I'm just bullshitting with you. What's you did. What you yeah, got? So What's going dang. on? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so starring Jimmy Fails as Jimmy Fails the Third. Uh, Jonathan Majors as Montgomery Allen, who was also just in Spike's new film, The Five Blood. So loved seeing mm-hmm. him in both. Phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. What um, a talent. What a talent, right? Uh, Tashina mm-hmm. Arnold is in this playing Jimmy's uh, auntie. We got a, a little, a few quick cameos from Mike Epps. And I love seeing him <laughs> like on screen because I'm like, wait, is that Mike Epps? That's Mike mm-hmm. Epps. It always goes like that. Uh, Danny Glover is in this, and yeah. some other some other folks too. But I wanted to get the main cast and the big names out first. So yeah, yeah. The last man in the last black man in San Francisco. Yeah, man. I have to say, I enjoyed watching this movie. There was not any point in the movie where I wasn't invested. Agreed. From the beginning, it catches you. Yeah, yeah. From the opening credits, I, I mean. Every usually when we talk about movies, I always address like cinematography because mm-hmm. it's that she's that girl right now. Everybody's really into what the camera's doing right yes. now. Yes. And some movies I focus more in on some elements. Like when we watched Twenty Four Hour Love, and I just couldn't get over the audio. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this movie well. kept me busy on every element of filmmaking the sound the camera the acting the set design the story the writing everything you know so i got a lot to say same we have some good notes but before we jump into uh our thoughts what we enjoyed what we loved you want to go ahead and give it a shot i chose 60 seconds i would be honored (laughs) i think you can do it i'm gonna i'm gonna put on a real timer because i kind of been bsing uh, the timer, but I've been Ooh, counting in my you've head. You've been giving me slack. You've been being I've been lenient. Giving you a little slack, yeah. So like now that we got a new recording format, I'm gonna put on a real timer here, and I'm gonna really give you sixty okay. seconds. Okay, right. I have sixty seconds to explain the plot of Last Black Man in San Francisco. 
Yes. All right, let's get into Got it. it. I'm going to start it right now. Okay. So, San Francisco is a, a, a shell of a city. And a man yeah. whose family <laughs> has been from there for three generations is lost and mm-hmm. uh, trying to find his way and trying to keep himself in this city. His name's Jimmy mm-hmm. Fails. He has a best friend who is an uh, interesting guy. <laughs> He's writing a play. Yeah. He's quirky. He's writing a play. And Jimmy is going on this mission to reclaim his childhood home, which he swears his grandfather built with his own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We later find out a lot of things about that story. Um, and through all of that, Jimmy seeks to grow as a person and reconnect mm-hmm. with this city and in some ways accepts the ways in which he can do neither. Wow. And you have five seconds to spare. That was beautiful. Bravo. Mm-hmm. Brava. As we say in the theater. <laughs> Brava. Yeah. This was a very theatrical movie. <laughs> very. I was the entire time, even like from the score of just like, it opens up. It, it took me back to like my days in, um, uh, when I was in the band in the high school. And I was like, is that an mm-hmm. oboe? Oh, this is theater. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This Theater. is classical music. This is this is different. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Sydney, I want to get right into this. <laughs> let's let's do it. Because you know, this is one of our this this is the episode where you know we just review one movie and we focus in on it. And sometimes mm-hmm. we hit scene by scene. We give the full story. We're gonna. There will be spoilers if you guys haven't listened to the haven't watched this movie. Go ahead. I think you should watch it before you listen to this. Yeah. So stop here. Pause it. Go watch. Mm-hmm. And then come back. Yeah. Stop right. here. Pause it. Give us five stars. Go watch the movie. Yep. <laughs> Leave a comment before you finish listening and then hit play. That's yes. That's what we're asking. In that order. In that, In that order. order. <laughs> Don't be a... What, how am I going to say Don't be a B-I-C-T-H. <laughs> In, in that, that order, order. I, i've been re-watching a lot of love and hip-hop atlanta let's talk about theater theater the kingdom Honey, the castle uh. <laughs> look sid i'm ready to get right into it what do you have to say about the last black man in san francisco I have a lot of things to say. Um, so number yeah. one, I rem- I remember first hearing about this movie last year, uh, like when the trailer dropped. And then I didn't pay much attention to it, but like I thought the trailer was really like, uh, it just kind of like drew me in super just like cool and just like, what is this? The last Black Man in San Francisco. I don't even know what this is about. But then um, also last summer, The Nod, one of our other like, oh, it's one of my favorite podcast turned TV shows mm-hmm. now. Um, Brittany yeah. did an episode with Jimmy and I was like I gotta check mm-hmm. this movie out I gotta see what she talking about because she seemed to love it like this Jimmy Fails guy seems cool as hell what is the last black man in San Francisco and you know what I got my answer watching uh, <laughs> I've seen it I've seen it twice now I watched it uh, on Juneteenth because I was trying to do a lot of black activities on that day to celebrate mm-hmm. our freedom and then I rewatched it before we recorded this episode um and you know what? I loved it. I loved everything from the opening credits to the ending credits. That's how I think we mm-hmm. haven't, at least I haven't liked the movie this much that we've reviewed probably since like Uncorked maybe, or no, Cella and the Spades. I probably feel like that's, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I do think, I think you liked Cella a little bit more than me. 
Yeah, I did. I yeah, did. Because you liked it more than I did. That's because of my affinity with the mob is kind of, you know. What, it's a little different. Work through that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently Look, rewatching The Sopranos, so it's I'm going through a lot right now. But anyway, God be uh, with your family. <laughs> you, you, every time you watch The Sopranos, you like just morph into this other person. You just, you get so violent and like <laughs> you get so mysterious. It's, it's a good show. I mean, oh, it's, ugh. anyway, but. <laughs> last black man in San Francisco from the cast uh, Jimmy Fels I think this is his like debut role in a movie I think he did a phenomenal mm-hmm. job but it's also loosely based on his life so that kind of you know you can put yourself in the character easy it's easier that way I'm not an actor but you yeah. know I assume so um, I loved his best friend Mont uh, Jonathan Major's character and how their relationship was just like it was just a regular best friendship it wasn't like no gimmicks to it like Jimmy wasn't trying to be on the come up and then, you know, Martin supporting his dreams or vice versa. It's just them being best friends every day. And we see how that works. And literally, genuinely, just Mont supporting Jimmy's wild dreams to get back his family home. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And Jimmy's supporting Mont's, like, playwright career. (laughs) Right. Which is, let's get into Mont. (laughs) Yeah. I, before, you know what? I love it when this is why I always like kick it to you to start because every time like when you say your uh, take on it, it always brings up a really good thing that I want to talk about. So mm-hmm. thank you, friend. Um, yeah. This movie has like the, the relationship between Jimmy and Montgomery. They're like mm-hmm. really genuine friendship. It's like this really deep connection that you only really have with your best friend. You know, right. Some people are lucky enough to like their spouse feels like is their best friend, too, Um, mm-hmm. which I think is a perk. I don't think that's a necessity for a spouse. But let's not get into my uh, woo woo ideas on marriage. Yeah, woo woo woo. But yeah, this is like that connection you only have with your best friend. And the mm-hmm. movie serves up a, the movie serves up a lot of hints at like toxic masculinity yeah we're really hyper masculinity just like over masculineness yep and at the same coin like to do that the movie like like tips its hat toward homoerotic like a little bit yeah yeah but not in like a in a way that makes you go in a way that makes you question yourself, like, why do I think that's weird? That's not weird at all. Like, if there were two women, I wouldn't think twice about that. Like, That's true. There's a scene There's a scene when they get into the house, and Jimmy is cooking for Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And they look across, like, the street into the next house, and they see the wife cooking for the husband. And it's, like, this yep. parallel. Yeah. But, like, that's not actually weird, you know? I don't want to put you on the spot, Sid, but... <laughs> You know, when we lived together, <laughs> we did live together. When we lived together, most nights I would cook. You know, I would. It would be no big deal. That that's just like that's a form of human like intimacy. That like mm-hmm. best friendism. Look at me, best friend. Mm-hmm. I'm so gay. I just say anything. <laughs> Ism. With the hands. And I, I'm going to put you on the spot because you, you know, you did cook up until the point where oh, you decided no. to randomly become a vegetarian. And that really put, like, 
I mean, a wedge in our friendship because I was shocked. Sydney, we went home I for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving break, and you came back. We was only gone. Alexa was off campus for four days. That's not true. It was Christmas break. I came back okay. after Thanksgiving saying maybe I will. After, after three weeks at home, I decided to stop eating meat. I was I, I was confused. Katia was confused. We both was just so what we gonna eat? Because Alexis isn't gonna cook no chicken no more. We didn't know what to do. <laughs> you know what? It worked out because I I then had to learn to cook for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know why you were so upset by it. Just a quick caveat. When I became a vegetarian, Sydney, you didn't talk to me the rest that whole weekend. Like you were so distant. <laughs> it really put like a like a hold on our friendship. <laughs> I was fuck? just I was in shock. Um that's how I was I was trying to process the news that I had just received. I had come home from a merry holiday. You know, back to DC, <laughs> ready to start the next semester. We seen I each other out, over the holiday. We did, and you ain't mentioned none of that. I feel like we even went to <laughs> what's the little Mexican spot at Stone Curse? We went there together. <laughs> um, Danteos. Danteos. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you had a taco with some meat. In it. But you know, nonetheless, on my nachos, I didn't have no chicken on them nachos. Nonetheless. This that that is a great example of uh, yeah just best friendism friendship. I agree. Yeah, I did the the whole because that was later in the movie that parallel scene of the cooking and like mm-hmm. the whole time during the movie, I was like, this is kind of like like there there's some gay tones here. Not like the characters being gay. Like no, no, no nothing like that. Like the characters yeah. didn't. Honestly, neither of them expressed or talked about romantic interest toward anyone throughout the whole movie. I uh, like there that. There was no romantic plot. Yeah. And I will say Love going that. back to going back to Uncorked, I get it now. This movie it didn't need a romantic subplot. Not all movies do. So, and for this yes. I see that I see that now. Uh it didn't have one and it was just fine without it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And th- the reason I say it isn't cuz I don't like romance. I love romance, but the time it takes to build connection between two people who just met on screen in the first act. And then in the mm-hmm. third act, they're supposed to be so deeply connected. It's hard. It's, it hardly ever justifies that level of depth in connection, which is what right. I said about uncorked, which is mm-hmm. a minor, minor critique, but like, yes, you know, he just met that girl in the store. To me, it's just not clicking why she would be such a deep confidant <laughs> as opposed to, writing a character that's a friend and has been a friend since you know mm-hmm. before we were introduced into this character's life it makes more sense and it gives you right. a deeper relationship on screen like Jimmy and Montgomery agreed 100% 110% um yeah and even going back on just like i don't know cuz Jimmy was a, considered a part of Montgomery's family like so like uh Montgomery's mm-hmm. grandfather played by Danny Glover he was like a second dad slash grandfather to Jimmy too. He's lived with them, stayed in their home, uh, watched mo- their like afternoon movies with him. Like, you know, Montgomery is like explaining because his grandfather's blind um, and mm-hmm. narrating the movie in the scene to his grandfather. Jimmy's there drinking a beer with him and doing the same thing. It's like, they're, they're literally just best friends. And we just see all the everyday things yeah. of being someone's friend. And I liked it. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I, it was 
you don't see male friendship like that on screen. Yeah, you don't. And I think Brittany loses black men. Yeah, Brittany loses at the nod. She brought up a good point too. It's just like it was just mundane, you know. It's regular, regular friendship, and usually it's like with black male friendships in movies. It's always some kind of a gimmick. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm trying to help my boy come up, or like my best friend is a jock, and I'm like, you know, the lame mm-hmm. high school nerd, like boys in the hood. She said, or like um, paid in full and put my or brown sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So or look at the great. best man. Look at. <laughs> Look at yeah. The male friendships <laughs> and the best men were nothing. They were trash. <laughs> they were trash. This, yeah. is, this is beautiful male friendship. I, I think that's one of my, my notes, too, is one of my favorite parts of this film is Jimmy and Mont's relationship. I loved it. Yeah, man. I, I really love that. Um, and now we can talk more about Montgomery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is a playwright. Um a very quirky, artsy kind of fellow. Um, mm-hmm. He does these really great impersonations of all the people that they meet throughout the movie, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and just very, very funny. And he just seems like this very like caring, sweet guy, right? So like he takes care of his blind grandfather. Uh, he is supporting Jimmy's wild dream to eventually break into his old family home that was lost. Um, yeah. Mont is just... It's. I think it's kind of clear that Mont was my favorite person in this movie because he he was. So I'll just say it up front. <laughs> I'll just say it up front. I th- I loved. You know the small thing I noticed about uh, Montgomery's character. What? <laughs> so he's he's doing all these like impressions of people and like I mm-hmm. feel like he's like workshopping characters. Like like you may be yeah. in conversation. Like you may be talking to Montgomery, but he is seeing if you're a fit in this play. Exactly. <laughs> You're auditioning for him 24-7. Yeah, this is not a conversation. (laughs) And when he goes to talk to the loan guy, the the mortgage broker, yeah, he literally does, like he comes into, like he gets into character, like a madman character. He goes like, (laughs) tell the goddamn truth. Like, (laughs) Jimmy's grandfather built that house. Jimmy's grandfather built that house. In 1940, he was the first black man in San Francisco. Say it yes. like that. Yes, it's like he puts on this whole character, like he's, and it's something that the movie doesn't like explain. It's just like not at could, all. Like the, it builds the movie built characters really well by just establishing their patterns, you know. Yeah, and at first I thought, <laughs> I thought that was like great. a lot of I thought a lot of Montgomery's actions were like uh, a daydream type scene, but no, it's just who he is. And they kept it, they made it known that is who he is. So I loved it. Yeah. And there was like, I know um, there was like some talk of like whether or not the character is like on the spectrum or something. Like maybe he has autism or something. Mm. But like, mm-hmm. I like how the movie doesn't, it doesn't have to go in there. It doesn't have to explain it. Like he works a little bit differently than other people, but yes. that is fine. It's fine. <laughs> As long as Jimmy yeah. loved him for it, his grandfather loved him for it, Mont was cool. And I loved it. I said, that's perfect. I, I get it, it dude. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, man. So I here's here's also what I want to point out about our conversation right now. We mm-hmm. immediately gravitate toward Montgomery in this story. And yes. the main point I have, I only have because I have a laundry list of great things to say about this movie. The only thing that I I can say 
at the end of the movie I was still trying to sort out was trying to fit together these two different stories. I feel like the movie doesn't recognize that it's telling two stories. It's not just Mm. telling Jimmy's story. And what I what I settled on was (laughs) that please let's see let's hear Jimmy (laughs) Jimmy and the house should have been a short film. (laughs) This movie should have been about Montgomery and his play. <laughs> I wanted an hour and a half of Montgomery and his play. Like, Trying to figure you know? out his one-man show, yeah. Yeah, and also because all of the, what I was saying about how the movie hints at hyper-masculinity and, like, the homoerotic nature of homophobic men, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That didn't fit into Jimmy's story. It didn't impact Jimmy, and it didn't fit into his like um like journey toward reckoning with what his hometown is now that didn't fit Mm -hmm. in there were two separate stories and i was interested in the montgomery like look at hyper masculinity and the play more than i was invested in whether or not jimmy can squat in his house i can see that no and and I think they kind of tried to separate the two because, like, we we find out. So, for all those listening, hopefully you did watch the movie. So, um, mm-hmm. Jimmy's family we has told this. You to. Yeah, we told you to watch it now. So, uh, Jimmy <laughs> lives in uh, his family lives. What part of San Francisco was it? Um, that is Fillmore. So that's like Fillmore. out okay. by the Golden Gate Park, which is like. Gotcha. So San Francisco, I have a I have personal experiences with San Francisco, and this I was is the part of the city. Bring this up too, yeah, because like you lived out there for two summers and really got a good feel yeah. for the city. Um, and I'd love mm-hmm. to hear how your I guess experience living out there relates to the movie as well. You know, I have it's it's not surprising what I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, okay. but just for context, the the part of town where this house is is like out by. The, so Golden Gate Bridge is like out by the water. Like once you get to where the wharf mm-hmm. and the trolley and stuff is and like Market yep. Street, just keep going past that along the water mm-hmm. and you'll get to the bridge. And okay. then Golden Gate Park is, okay. is a little south of that. And surrounding Golden Gate Park is like neighborhoods of what you classically think of when you think of San Francisco houses, like the one that's featured in this movie. Gotcha. Um, And that's where people live. Uh, some of those houses... Well, a lot of those houses are broken down into like units, like same mm-hmm. here with row houses in DC, you know, right, or right, brownstones right. in, in, in New, New York. York. Yep. But many of them sit empty and cost millions of dollars, you know? Yikes. Um, okay. And that's where people, like, that's where many people live over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just like owning a house in any other city, in any other major city like New York or DC, though. The homes are very expensive um gotcha and when i would go over there to those parts of town like like the outer and inner sunset or richmond area or the area where this house is you don't Mm. see any black people that's my experience with san francisco it's gotcha it's a shell of a city that used to be the only like culture that still stands there is Mm. like the Latin Latinx community in the mission, like by okay. Dolores Park, 
um, wonderful produce grocers over there. If you, that's the <laughs> only place I would buy avocados in San Francisco. You go to the Safeway and buy avocado, cool. man, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, because they will sell them for what they're supposed to be a dollar. <laughs> it's California. Yeah. They can't, y'all, Rudy is over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> you drove this from down the street and I'm charging me $3 for no avocado. It's a girl I'm explaining to do because didn't Molly spend what $9.99 per avocado one of them episodes or like $5.99 for I, an avocado? That was crazy. Sydney, I don't okay. ever want to get that much money where I don't care about Ooh. how much I spend on avocado. She said $5.99 <laughs> per. That's one little avocado. I think not. I, somebody did the math and it was like, girl, that's a $40 bowl of guacamole. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> but yeah other than that the only the only cultures that persist in san francisco is the latinx community in the mission mm-hmm. and white gay men wearing leather straps out in public <laughs> that's it and that's okay. like gay culture is important to san francisco's history but like yeah. you would not guess that black people once lived there i anytime i wanted Ooh. to have a cultural time or like be mm-hmm. with niggas, you got to get on the bar and cross the bay. You have to go, go to, to Oakland. Oakland. Dang. Yeah. And Dang. like, I felt a way. So this is the probably the most controversial scene of the movie. <laughs> Not much <laughs> of the movie is controversial, but is the scene where he's on the bus and the white girls are saying how much they hate San Francisco. Yep. How you going to hate it if you don't love it, sis? If you never loved it, sis, what's good? Yeah. I get that, but the thing is, it's objectively hateable. <laughs> it's like the city Honestly, of San and Francisco. I, and I will say, I like even um like all all friends that I've known who have tried out San Francisco, like living there or like visiting whatever, have not been fond of the city. And all of my friends are black. No. So it's, and even when I visited, like I went with a friend last year. We just went for like a little friend vacay, and it was cool to visit. But like mm-hmm. I. I realized that I would never want to live in this city. I we, where are the black people? I couldn't tell you. It Everywhere we went, sucks. yeah, it was, it was and not like, fun. And the thing is, so I understand that it's hard to hear white transplants mm-hmm. trash your city, and they don't yeah. know anything about the history. They don't know anything. They have no context. But mm-hmm. the sentiment that they're expressing is the same sentiment you hold this like the bitterness at the fact that this city this city is now just buildings that nobody can afford everyone's I'm mad about a that silicon you know? valley millionaire <laughs> yeah even then you're just <laughs> like a like a tech millionaire trying to buy an apartment or a house in san francisco is the uh-huh. same as like a regular <laughs> like a regular mid-career person trying to buy a house in a normal city <laughs> like it's Yikes. still competitive it's still too expensive for them it's still Yikes. too hard <laughs> you know yeah. more like billionaires what you need to be <laughs> okay oh yikes well jeff bezos if you listen yeah. i'm sure you got a house out there allegedly sydney you gotta keep playing with him and he's going to kill <laughs> you <laughs> and i'm not gonna be anywhere, i'm not gonna be anywhere around <laughs> I said allegedly. He can't sue me for that. I said allegedly. Where he gonna send me a okay. cease and desist if okay. I can't say his name? Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh huh. Well, try and find so, me, yeah. Jeffy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 
I um I do not like San Francisco even a little bit. It is a hard city to like. Um Oof. when you are there's two, there are two sides of it. There are the sides mm-hmm. where the houses are, which are okay. aesthetically beautiful. Like yeah. the landscape. But I remember my first time going to San Francisco, and you can probably attest to this. When you get out of the airport and you take the Uber into the city, like I, I arrived at night the first time, and you just mm. I just saw the houses on the hills and like the street lights, and the yeah. hills were steeper. Like the like the the hillside is steeper than anything I ever seen in my life. I'm Georgia. <laughs> we don't have it's flatlands <laughs> down here. Yeah, any of the the like. Anything that tall, you was in the foothills of the Appalachia <laughs> and ain't no light up there. <laughs> ain't no light. You know? And it's not luxurious you know, was, looking. It's just dirt. <laughs> yeah, it's just dirt and trees. Yeah. It's beautiful, but it's not like this. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I was taken aback. The city is stunning. Sometimes when you're taking like a Uber around like the city, when we were Uber to the restaurant or something, mm-hmm. you turn a corner and like you're at a stoplight and you look to the right and you're you don't even realize like you're at the top of this tall ass hill and you just get this clear shot across the bay and you can see over oh, the clouds cool. they call the yeah the fog that comes in and rolls over the hill they call it carl huh like they why gotta be named carl, carl? <laughs> i don't know why they named it carl <laughs> but you can see carl like the salesforce building peeks out over carl and like you can see clear across it's gorgeous and lifeless <laughs> you know because there's that part where it's residential but then the downtown part where the buildings are is filthy like imagine uh, imagine Times square being covered in piss and crack pipes that's not I mean, an exaggeration was, i mean it was in the 70s and 80s it's not that way no more but yeah it's yeah. and i think i gotta walk through Times square every day for work i'd be so mad if that was the case today yeah that's what people at Twitter, their headquarters is on Market Street, across the street from the Tenderloin neighborhood, which in this movie, when they're driving through and someone who is clearly experiencing homelessness and probably addiction issues is like mm-hmm. yelling and stripping down in the street, oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the Tenderloin neighborhood. That's what it looks oh, like wow. every day. That's for serious. Like it's it, people shoot up on the sidewalks like people are. Like it's desolate. They have a yeah. The entire city has a huge human waste problem where there's like feces and piss everywhere. All the sidewalks yeah. in like from the Tenderloin all the way to the baseball stadium, which is like how do I? So there's the Tenderloin neighborhood, which is kind of like Hamsterdam from The Wire. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, you got you got a. Paint it for me like that, okay? Because you know I'm not good with directions. It. Yeah, you need to connect it, okay? <laughs> and then you cross the the main street is Market Street, which is where the the main trolley is, right? Uh huh. So the Twitter headquarters on Market Street, and then you keep going. You just keep going like six blocks, but they're long ass blocks out there. <laughs> so okay. really, like fifteen blocks, and then okay. that's when you hit the baseball stadium and the water. Everything between there, that's Tenderloin to Market Street to Soma, which is south of Market Street, is uh-huh. the sidewalks smell like fresh piss. Not dried Ooh. piss, fresh piss. Ooh. And I, I lived in Soma like both of the summers I spent out there. And it was not, it's not pleasant. It's an easily hateable city. <laughs> and <laughs> I resent 
not the people who were displaced from the city or the people mm-hmm. who like struggled to remain there. I resent the conditions by which the city got to what it is now. Crazy. Damn. Well, mm-hmm. Jimmy does as well. Uh, and he is trying to <laughs> he's trying to grapple with the fact that San Fr- his beloved San Francisco uh, will be forever changed, at least in his lifetime, but still trying, you know, hold on to this one piece of family tie that he has there, which is his old house in the Fillmore district. That's what, that's where it's at, right? Uh, no, it's more like in the, it's on Fillmore street, like Fillmore okay. and Golden Gate. So really just sit like, in like Golden Gate Park. I, that's probably Richmond. I'm going to look it up on a map because I love maps. Okay, girl, yeah. So look that up. But yeah, so his family is, well, the legend, the family legend has it that Jimmy's family built this house in the 1940s after coming back from the war. Uh, And, you know, it was like a multi-generational thing. Like he lived there with his dad. I think his aunt lived there. His grandfather lived there, etc. But after his grandfather passed, his dad, who was battling with a drug addiction, lost the house. And it's been 12 years since the house is gone. And Jimmy's like in his 20s. And he goes back and checks on this house periodically and annoys the white people that live there now and, like, you know, keeps the house in order. Yeah. He paints, like, the shutters. He's, like, raking the lawn yeah. and getting the weeds out He's the back. Watering He's going, the plants. Watering the plants. <laughs> like, he, he, he's trespassing, but, you know, it's his yeah, family yeah. house. Um, yeah. And at some point, for whatever reason, this wealthy white family has to move out of the house and Jimmy and Mont decide to break in and become squatters. Yes, and that's how we. That's yeah. That's the main plot of the movie that we're trying yeah. to you know get around. Yeah, yeah, and like the the twist in Jimmy's story is that it's revealed that his granddaddy didn't build that, which is kind of hinted toward in yeah. the beginning. You know, the tour guide is like, "Look at this 1800s uh, architecture," and he's like, "No, this uh-huh. was built in 1940 by my granddad." <laughs> and it was right. just, just not true, and that. Uh, scene in the movie it was also one of my favorites i noted but only because i remember when we were in school you used to do segway tours in dc <laughs> how would you expose me this way <laughs> I so if y'all want everybody if y'all has to, a <laughs> if y'all want to know the history of washington dc uh email <laughs> us lex got the answer she know it all <laughs> Don't email me asking about no private segue tour. <laughs> I'm not interested. She know everything there is to know about Washington, D.C. And, you know, she can help y'all out with that. If you got questions, Please. if you want to go to Howard, look, she got y'all. Why would you bring that up? I thought we could get into this movie without bringing stuff up like I this. could not bring it up. It was a segue tour. You're the only person I know who worked the segue tour before. I, I could not do it. <laughs> Okay. I did that for four years, man. You did, exactly. I did it. I did it some the year after school too. See? See? It was fun. Uh yeah, I did do that, and that is how it is. And I did feel for that score guy because I'm like, bruh, I'm just trying to say the facts. They gave me a script. I learned it. I'm trying to tell these white people so I can get a tip and move on. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. So now, you know, I would love, oh, just to confirm, that house is in the Fillmore District. Oh, okay. Look at me. Look at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
I would like to like kind of now I feel drawn to go back to talking about Montgomery. <laughs> his character is captivating. He's just so interesting. Yeah. I want to know more about and the his actor story. is so good. And he's fine. There I said it. He is fine. Thanks for saying it. I didn't want to like because you know sometimes I could be kind of like you know I don't care about men, so I could mm-hmm. be kind of like <laughs> you know crass when I'm attracted to a man. Uh huh. So well, thanks for I, yeah, I, it. I said it for you. Yeah, he I loved him in Divide Bloods when he. Ooh, Lord, we're not gonna get into that, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> if you. If you are listening and you would like to hear Sydney thirst over Jonathan Majors in the Five Bloods movie and you would like us to talk about that, just go ahead and add us. Go ahead and add us on Twitter. Let us know. No, for real, because we, we, we will do it. <laughs> I was, my, like, whatever I expected, honestly, I didn't expect to get a play. I knew that's what the character was doing. Yeah. I didn't expect get the satisfaction of seeing it right i and then it exceeded whatever expectation i did have whenever it was established that he would perform a play number oh, one yep. i thought he was just gonna i thought he was asking the people like the, the preacher on the soapbox and um the like, like the man on the street singing yeah yeah I mm-hmm. thought they were going to act in the play. I didn't. I had no idea it was going to be a one man show. <laughs> show. Did this not take I, you back to oh, our pop culture? Holiday, holiday time. time. Holiday time. <laughs> Shout Sydney. out to Joan Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> will you explain that one? I will. So uh, there was an episode of. We got to do a pop culture deep cut for this. You got to put in the make it, make it make sense right here. Make it, make it, make it make sense. It's like early season of girlfriends, maybe like season two or three, but, um, Joan and William every year, they go to the senior citizens home and they perform like their Cinco de Mayo mini play slash musical. However, this year, my, William has started dating uh, Jill Scott, who works in this nursing home, who mm. already thinks that him and Joan mm. are way too close for comfort, and she don't really like it. So William drops out of their friendly tradition that they do every year, and Joan has to go on and put this show on herself. So she then dresses as a matador, as like half of her body, and then... Uh, <laughs> Well, it's like, and then like, I don't, I don't want to get this term wrong. Um, and then just get like a, a very nice, uh, traditional Mexican dress for a woman. Yes, for a woman, and this is half and half. And she puts on the story of Cinco de Mayo for this senior citizen's home, and we get the classic mm-hmm. Cinco de Mayo is holiday time, holiday time, <laughs> holiday time, holiday time. <laughs> and- perfect nice. shout out to tracy ellis ross <laughs> yeah and don't worry if this is too deep of a cut because that's like from 2003 tracy yeah, ellis ross does do us the favor of posting that video almost every single de mayo as do i <laughs> <laughs> yes as does sydney you know what i said real quick real quick about like um holiday inspired instagram post i was looking uh-huh. forward to this year um every year you post Easter coming up. Don't beg. And I was looking forward to that. And you didn't post it. (laughs) You know, Easter this year was uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And I was. I was still was coming up, though. 
it was still coming up, and I could have posted it the day before. I feel. <laughs> Don't yeah. fall in a light hunting jumping when he sat on the sat wall. On the wall. <laughs> go hump that. Go dump that. Go dump that. <laughs> that's a that was a great cheer. He should choreograph these things. He should. <laughs> I yeah. We've got so far off track. <laughs> yeah. We have. let's get back to um Mont's yeah. one man play. That's where it was at. He does the one man play in the same fashion of like half one like half was one costume the other half is another costume and we also get a nice montage of him sewing together the things i thought that was cute it was cute um and he does he reenacts a scene that we saw earlier with uh two of the the street niggas who kind of were like a you know like the chorus in a shakespeare play (laughs) yes yes they They also kind of reminded me or like, um, remember from the Proud family, the Altos, that gang that Sticky joined. <laughs> no, no, okay, no. never mind. I can't remember what gang Sticky joined. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Continue. Yes, this is more Shakespearean. You're right. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> well, it happened. <laughs> I believe you, but yeah, like the they were not. They were woven into the plot, but like they, they kind of were like a sounding box for the the conversations on masculinity because you would just get these cuts of them, like constantly like, nah, you a bitch, like why you like mm-hmm. that's like or a lot of nigga you gay shit. was a lot of that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much, um, which is why and they mainly had those type of interactions in front of Montgomery and we can see that. Montgomery is a character that was impacted by that because he was studying them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which is why I connect them to Montgomery more than I connect them to Jimmy's story, which makes Jimmy's story seem a little gotcha. bit... Which ma- which made yeah. me care more about Montgomery's story, seem more like... I can know. see that, yeah. I mean, it was interesting because, like, the guy, Kofi, he had, like, a direct tie with Jimmy. They had lived in the same group home for, like, a year together mm-hmm. and then just kind of, like... You know, Jimmy went a separate way in his life, and then Kofi became like a corner nigga. And you know, but mm-hmm. they still interacted. But Kofi want to act all funny when they come around. Mm-hmm. Like, look at these two, like you know, blah blah blah. And then it's some once real they feminine fi- shit going on in that house, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then when he find out that they really living in there, it's all you know, it's all key key key, and they sitting in the sauna together or the sauna, however you want to yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, Kofi, like, gets uh, murdered. Like, he gets Mm -hmm. shot. And the play, you see Montgomery grapple with that a lot. And he goes, you know, I was writing a play about him. And that's when you find out, like, that's when you realize um, the subject of the play, that the play is not just, like, some general recap of all the goings on. It was a focused Mm -hmm. study on this group of friends and on Kofi. Yep. which also makes sense retroactively when you think about the scene where Montgomery goes up to the group uh-huh. and like gives them director's notes. Oh, yes. <laughs> he goes, Wait, very, no. good. very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he do- you know? Oh man. Jonathan Majors is a gem. I hope to see him in many, many more things in the future. I mean, what a yeah. guy. <laughs> he can do it all. You he know, can. I, I just loved it. I thought it was great. The the storyline about his play and that is how he reveals 
to Jimmy that he knows mm-hmm. that his grandpa didn't build the house. And we find yep. out that Jimmy knows that too, you know, but it's just a long held family lie, you uh-huh. know? And it's keeping him, it's keeping him tied to the house essentially. Cause that makes it, you know, acceptable or, you know, it makes it okay for them to continue on this mm-hmm. crazy dream of still living in the house that they no longer own, but like, it's my family. So it's my right to yeah. be here. Yeah. Yeah. And it also like soothes his grief. Like he's lost his Mm. city. Everything, every cornerstone of his childhood is gone. Gone. And the only connection that he can like have is this story about a house that, you know, belongs to his family, you know? Right. I feel that. And uh, like, I know me and you, we, we like, um <laughs> like what's the word um reminisce over we've lost a few major establishments of our childhood but we yep. really lament over the loss of billy bobs billy bobs girl <laughs> i knew he was i knew he was going there <laughs> and like imagine that's just one like skate room slash party venue slash arcade that we lost <laughs> <laughs> but it was a gym it was beautiful it is to still be around yeah. But it's also, but remember when they was going to shut down city. Golden Glide? Oh, right. Yeah. Oh. Girl. <laughs> Not the Glide. <laughs> Not the Glide. But no, I completely, because I couldn't, I couldn't fathom, like, I think y- you and I are both lucky enough to grow up in, like, predominantly black neighborhoods and go to, like, like predominantly black schools, mm-hmm. all of primary school, and then, you know, then go to HBC or whatever. But, like, I can, I can say when I go back home, like, I'm home now, like, my neighborhood is still all black. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I don't think and I'll. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I don't think I'll come home and it'd just be like a stark difference. Or at least I hope not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I things are changing a little bit in the yeah. neighborhood I grew up in, you know, because it's the 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 proper city of Atlanta is getting a little crowded. And, yes, you know, is. development isn't going as fast. And, it, and you know, there's just these problems that every city deals with when they get an influx of demand is that they can't build houses fast enough because people want to, like, stay in a single family home. They still want to have a yard. Right. And it's like, Miss Ma'am, you live in the city. Um, <laughs> no, sorry. no, no. You know? Take that out to Lithonia, Miss Ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Southern people feel very entitled about their space and their grass. Yeah. So, yeah. Given that Atlanta spreads, it's it's a mm-hmm. spread out metropolitan area, and you know I'm from Decatur, and now mm-hmm. because of how dense the city's getting, like they knocked down. You remember the story I told you about the uh, I had a Mexican classmate in first grade. Her name was Anna, <laughs> mm-hmm. and how I stole her towel by accident, and we still have that towel in my house. I like like we use it <laughs> to wash the car. Did I tell you about I this? Did- I didn't, but you know, it sounds familiar because when we moved out of Evarts and then I came back to DC for homecoming, uh, some of my towels were in your place. So you have a pattern of towel thievery. Uh, uh, <laughs> anybody gonna throw a towel? Anybody gonna throw a towel? No, we just we just accidentally swapped towels. Me and Anna, oh, we both had okay. the same color towel, and it, at the school I went to nap Uh time this actually wasn't first grade this was kindergarten because we had nap time nap time you weren't you didn't bring a a blanket you brought a towel to cover yourself on interesting i'm not from a nice place (laughs) okay (laughs) interesting i'm from caveat that uh public school my whole life not the best ones either (laughs) 
Um, okay. But okay. I accidentally took her towel. I, the only reason I brought it up is because I thought I told you this before. Um, uh-huh. And she lived in this little house, like, down the street from... I lived in a subdivision, and she lived in this little house. And they, uh-huh. like, that house and, like, the house next to it, they completely raised it. Just dirt. And there's, like, Dang. building uh, townhouses over there. And I, I literally... The last time I went home... What the fuck, man? That's Anna's house. <laughs> well, my girl Anna at. Know. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't even. I haven't seen Anna since I was like seven. <laughs> but I was like, "What the fuck, man?" So, Anna, like, this makes it your way. I hope you're doing well, girl, and you know you prospering. <laughs> I hope you're doing good. I, I'll pay you for the towel, girl. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah. So it's just I understand. Like not to his extent, there is no city in America that is has been yeah. transformed and destroyed culturally the way that San much. Francisco like, yeah, has. Like, even like living in Harlem now, like I'm, there there are white women and they little fluffy dogs that live in my building, and I'm like, how did y'all make it all the way up here, uptown? Mm-hmm. Like who said? Like I thought y'all want to live downtown, Lower East Side, the Village. Mm-hmm. But how did you get up here to Harlem? But there, it's still I Harlem is still my like black oasis away from like Times Square. You know what I'm saying? I can still like I mean, you know what I want to say about gentrifiers. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> gentrifiers are when white people who have you know jobs and whiteness on their side um, mm-hmm. move to black neighborhoods because it's cheaper, so what they can afford because the yep. white neighborhoods are too expensive, and only white people could make being broke glamorous. The reason I'm calling yep. it broke <laughs> is because you had it all on your side, and you can't afford to live with your people. <laughs> These houses, this is the black race. We get the yes, black race because this is where the black people live, and racism dictates that property is less valuable when we're in it. So this right. is where we live. <laughs> You got to come over here because you can't afford to live in the Lower East Side. I live in Parkview, D.C., and white mm-hmm. people, they can't afford, you know, to live in Columbia Heights. So they got to come over here. How right. you going to make that glamorous? Why you got an attitude How? and you doing that? <laughs> so make that's it what make I wanted sense. to get off my chest. <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> I'm doing what you I'm know? supposed to do. This what y'all done redlined it. I'm living where I'm supposed to be redlined at. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on my side of the damn line. <laughs> This it shit. <laughs> Can't have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're gonna come over here and come over here with an attitude. You attitude. can't afford to live with your people and you got to do. Ooh. Mm-mm. Ooh. So yeah, this is probably one of the best conversations we've had about a movie, like probably since Uncorked, maybe. But we yeah. really enjoyed this one. Definitely front to back, middle, all of it. I mean, Phenomenal mm-hmm. job, Jimmy. I I loved it. So, I think it's time for us to get into our our award ceremony for the evening. It is. Can I just? I I didn't look at this. How I know it's a good conversation. I had to look at my notes the whole time. I only I checked mine like twice. Just, yeah. <laughs> let me get off a quick one, real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. In the movie, when the house goes up for sale, he tries to buy it. The house costs $4 million. He goes to the bank to get a loan with zero mm-hmm. down. I did the math. Yeah. That would be $23,000 a month. <laughs> Ooh, child. At a, that's at an aggressive, for a 30-year mortgage, at an aggressive interest rate, which, like, let's say 6%, which is outlandish. Like, uh-huh. 3% is reasonable because um, he ain't got no credit. So I wanted no. to say that <laughs> he advocated Dang. to try and get a 
thousand dollar a month mortgage. Mortgage. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. One thing I did like about the movie, I felt like it was a like a run through, like a motif, how he was always waiting for the bus, and we never got the satisfaction of the bus <laughs> pulling up. You know, never. We yeah. would just sometimes see him on the bus, but we never got the satisfaction of seeing the bus pull up. Look, he was tired <laughs> of waiting. Either gonna get on that skateboard or hop on the back of an acai truck and get to where mm-hmm. he was going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, lastly, what I wanted to say is that the set design. So the house is gorgeous. Like, I don't. Yeah. We didn't say that, but the house is. It is a beautiful house. What, yeah, a beautiful piece of craftsmanship. And at the end, when the house, there's an open house and Montgomery goes to the open house at the house um, because they're Mm. selling it. Mm -hmm. Um, I paid attention to how they designed it. They staged it with like furniture, how you do for an open house. Yep. Real modern. Soulless. (laughs) Like, did you notice? Because modern looks good, but they purposely decorated it so tasteless. It looked like an Ikea warehouse. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It looked like it looked like they was changing the displays in an IKEA warehouse, and they just had pieces from different displays, <laughs> and it just it didn't connect. There was no, it was purposeful to like make it like clear. It's just like yes, this, they're taking the life out of the house. It's like the the house was dead in that last scene mm, compared to yeah, the house was like full of symbolism. Life. Yeah, I loved it. Those are the ones I wanted to get off real quick. Let's get to the awards. Let's get to the awards. Um, you know, and I, this is probably very obvious. I think we've talked up this character the entire episode. Uh, so with that being said, for this week's Who Came to Act Award, I proudly nominate Mr. Jonathan Majors. I think he he earned it. He left us all there. I mean, Mont's character is just so captivating. We loved him. 10 out of 10. Five star, five star. Jonathan, Perfect. this one's for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice, Sid. <laughs> I know. Right? I, th- I tried to. Make, I tried to put a personal touch there, like we know each other. It may, we might meet each other. We never know. But you know, Jonathan, if you single, hey. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I think that's the first time you shot your shot during the Who Came to Act. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I did shoot my shot at Kelvin. Um, in the ways oh, yeah. who came you to did. act, I did. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, um, hmm. well, you know what? We enjoyed that one too. Cause we keep going back to uncorked, like in conversation and also mm-hmm. waves. I think now is just probably some of the best black man figuring it out movies in yeah. a long time. And these are both a 24 films. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. last man was a 24 too. Yep. I love A24. I hate to say it. I'm that I mean, girl. I, yeah. They be making some movies over there, though. They do. They <laughs> on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Look, I wholeheartedly with no, like, no doubt except that nomination for Boom. who came to act. And I'll tell you one thing. These people, these fireworks don't know that I'm recording a podcast. And girl. they also don't know that I'm serious. Girl. <laughs> That is the one saving grace of getting out of the city for these next few weeks because they was keeping me up at night and messing with my nerves. Yeah. Girl, me too. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. Well, let me go because they finna. Yeah. <laughs> Pop them off for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, Sid, will you tell the listeners how to find us? Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, look, y'all, because we're trying to get our engagement up. And if you're listening, just, you know, tweet us, at us. Hit us up on Twitter yeah. at TNCCPod. You can find yeah. us there, follow us there. Let us know what you think about the episodes there. Comment on the graphics, whatever you want. Just, you know, hit us up on Twitter. And if you liking what you see on Instagram, let us know there too. At New Chitlin Circuit. That's spelled C-H-I-T-L-I-N. Follow us. Send the profile to your friends and their friends and your mama and them. And, you know, just keep us in the loop. Because we like doing this. So, yeah. We do. And we love talking subscribe. Yeah. Go ahead and subscribe. Five stars. Give us those follows. Our Instagram, Sydney Kills It with the graphics every week. Let you know what movies we're doing. On Twitter, it's a good place to follow. If you, you know, clearly you love black indie film. Uh, that's where we share out other news about what's going on in the landscape. Um, and also where you can get alerts when we post an episode. It's yeah. all valuable all around. It's all, it's a good look to go ahead and follow on both. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Be safe. <laughs> If you want to be successful, just go ahead, hit follow and subscribe. And oh. success is coming your way. Let's manifest that. Like B. Simone. But not like Baby girl. All right. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs>